0: Welcome to It's All About the Questions, where learning to ask the right questions can help you achieve a lifelong success. Now, here to help you ask all the right questions is award-winning author, international speaker, and business strategist, Laura Stewart.
1: Good morning, afternoon, and evening, everyone, and welcome to this week's uh, show. I am so excited, as always, to be here with you on a beautiful, sunny day here in Florida, and here with the incredible team at Vero's Voice Radio, Mr. B in the booth. Thanks for being who you are for me, Mr. B. I greatly appreciate everything that you do to help this show run um, run beautifully, so thank you. Today I've got something different for you. I, I don't normally have g- the same guest two weeks in a row, but... The response last week to the episode with Father Michael Boccaccio, my priest from up in Connecticut, who performed the service when we interred my parents' ashes up at the cemetery in, in New York in November, um, who's here in Florida to, to do a, a mission during Lent at a church in Spring Hill, Florida. The, the response was so amazing. People were reaching out to me left and right, wanting to understand more about how you recognize what a calling is, and also because they just are having such a difficult time with a comment Father Mike made about how much he has trouble when people say, I'm spiritual, not religious. So we're going to dive in today with more discussion around how you recognize your calling, what what we mean by callings, and also discuss um, your concerns and questions about being spiritual and not religious. So, uh, Father Mike, welcome back to the show.
0: Oh, thank you very much, and I thank your listeners for uh, bringing me back into the show with
1: you. You're my first repeat guest in a row (laughs) in the almost two years i've I've been on the air i've had some guests back but you know you're typically five six months later or something if they've got uh, another book or something else out that's so powerful so you are my first repeat two weeks in a row guest
0: well that will go in my history
1: (laughs) (laughs) mine too (laughs) now this whole concept of callings really sparked conversation. I mean, I've gotten texts, I've gotten emails, I've gotten phone calls from people asking me, well, I don't I don't know what a calling is. I, how do I know if it's a calling or a, a want? So why don't we start with, would you be willing to define to you what a calling is?
0: Uh, more than happily, uh, but I know it's... Uh, improper to answer a question with a question no but go I'm for going it. To go forward <laughs> uh a, a, there can be various degrees and dimensions of a calling for example i can be called to a certain college i can be called to a certain spouse i can be called to move my family to another state i can be called to some type of a job uh Overall, what would you think is the concern of most of those who responded to you after the show last week in terms of what they think of calling?
1: Well, a lot of people felt that callings only happen in religious life.
0: Oh, no, for sure it does not. I mean, for example, the, uh, the entering into a marriage with a uh, person, that is a calling. Um, in fact, in, in, in the Christian Church, especially in the Catholic Church where we talk about sacraments, um, the marriage is a vocation, and you are called to that person. So, no, it's not something that's restricted just to a religious situation, and again, for example, call to a college. So many young kids uh, are accepted at three or four colleges, and then they have to decide which which one am I being called to? And in the in the job market, um, I've lost my job, and I'm looking for another job. That means I may have to move to Iowa. Am I called to do that? Pick up my family and move. So it isn't just a religious experience um i think it's uh overall the most fundamental calling i think any one of us has is how am i going to function as a person therefore that brings me into what we call a vocation do i want to become a doctor do i want to become an auto mechanic um and on that note The recommendations I would make, I I made last week, first of all, investigate what that particular position is all about. Talk to people who are in that position. Also, run the question by family and friends. Research it. The best way to know if something is your calling in terms of the job market is to try your best to intern it for a while. Um, And and I realize that there are some uh, jobs that won't allow you to do that. You're either going to take this job washing dishes or you're not. We're not going to let you come in for two weeks and experiment. Um, But to to the degree that you're able to observe what is happening, to the degree that you're able to uh, make notations of how how does that job and how does that job and I harmonize with each other, how does that advance My being who I am are various parts of the question.
1: Well, what leads with that, from that, based on some of the questions that people were asking, then is well, how do you really know if it's a calling or, and this is going to sound interesting the way I put it. Somebody said, I took the job out of desperation because I needed a job. So how do I know if I'm being led there, or how do I even give myself the space to determine Um, if it's a calling?
0: Well, uh, it is a calling because you're responding to the circumstances of your life in that particular moment of history you are desperate, Uh, you, uh, you have bills to pay, you have family to feed, you have tuition, and I have no other income, so therefore I've got to respond to this invitation to do something about my life at this point. It doesn't mean that you just, you know, put life on hold, it is a calling. And uh, on that note, you can talk about various callings at various stages of our lives. Again, I'm going to go off to college, all right? That's a calling. I'm going to start dating and I'm going to uh, find the one who was meant for me. That's a calling. Uh, We're going to have children. That's a calling. We're going to move to wherever. That's a calling. It isn't just like a one-shot deal, And also, whatever calling it is has to be renewed. Um, So, for example, using me, uh, having decided to become a priest uh, 892 years ago, um, you renew that. Uh, It isn't like, again, as I said last week, the trumpet blows, Michael, be a priest, and then it's all over with. No, you renew it, you rethink it, you redesign it, you you adapt it uh, and adopt it. So it isn't a one-shot deal, in my opinion.
1: When I think about callings, I think about something that is, and based on what you're talking about, I'm having to, as we're talking, rethink my whole idea of, of a calling. But when I think about callings, I've always thought about this sort of underlying urgent pressure that there's something you should be doing, there's a path that maybe things in your life are taking you towards that is something that if you don't do it, if you don't say, accept the calling as a priest or, you know, a radio host or a writer or um, a geek, that you're just never going to be satisfied.
0: And I would agree with that. Uh, let me uh, explain my response. First of all, I believe everyone is unique. That is the beauty of humanity. And I also believe that because everyone is unique, they have something to contribute to the existence of, in their lives, in their time, in their world. Sometimes, unfortunately, we don't investigate what is my talent, what is my uniqueness. And as a result, what you just said, I, I believe happens, namely that which I was graced with to give, I don't end up giving because I don't investigate who I am. What is it about me that is really wonderful and exceptional? And that's not, again, an egotistical thing. Each one of us has a talent. The scriptures clearly speak of that in the Christian world, of the Lord giving us talents, uh, meant to build up the relationship within our humanity and, again, from a religion point of view with our God. So I think a person... Uh, needs to get in touch with oneself, and that's not an easy thing to do alone. That's why, again, I repeat, you do it with others. No one is to journey through life alone. For those who do, it's just very unfortunate because it creates all kinds of limitations, the title of which is isolationism.
1: Okay. Um, we're going to cut over to our, our first commercial break. I just got the high sign on that, and we're going to be right back with more from Father Mike talking about your calling, and we're going to pursue the topic of isolation. Interesting. Father Mike, just before the commercial break, you talked about isolating. Can we expand upon that? Because I, I know that that happens to a lot of people.
0: Um, in terms of um wanting to recognize who, you're, who you are, sometimes I think people avoid that because they may not want to accept what the answer is going to be. Let me be very simple about an example. I really want to be a dentist, but uh, I don't think I can do it, so I'm going to bag at some supermarket. And I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm not going to call upon anyone to help me learn who I am and what I can give. So I go into an isolationism. And it could be out of fear. It could be because I feel pressure, whatever, whatever. But I, sometimes many people just don't get in touch with themselves in terms of who am I. Um, the lifestyle in our country has become hectic. Uh, we hardly have time to breathe, let alone be together, so we 're not going to take time out to meditate on who am I, get in touch with ourselves, and that causes an isolationism in the sense that i don 't know who I am, so therefore i 'm e i 'm apart from from myself as it were, and that 's very, very unfortunate.
1: What are some things people can do to help them recognize, perhaps, that they're avoiding looking at who they are?
0: First of all, slow down, get in the slow lane, although nowadays the slow lane has become the fast lane. <laughs> yeah, <that's>
1: true. <laughs> so true. It's
0: incredible. In any event, slow down and just be very, very much in touch with yourself, with your integrity and your sincerity, and ask your family, ask your friends. "Um, I have the following possibility in my life. What are your thoughts? Um, Involve other people in the question. It is, as I said before, it isn't a question that only you have to answer I, ultimately, yes, but you don't have to approach the answer alone. Uh, I would recommend again talking with family and friends if it 's a career you're talking about then i would inv- I would investigate uh, learning as much about that career as possible and talking to people who live that career uh, and researching it. Professionally speaking, again, if we're talking about careers, professionally speaking, there are agencies that do provide you know these various kind of tests. You know, draw a black a black uh, square with a two point, uh, two point le- uh, a lead two point pencil, and then you feed it to the machine, and it will tell you where your talents are. I'm sure many of your listeners have taken those tests. I forget what they're called, but there are professional agencies that can help you. And I'm not talking about headhunters. I'm talking about deci- those who help you decide where my calling is, what my career is going to be, and in other regards, who, who, who whom am I going to marry? You get in touch with your friends, your family, et cetera, et cetera.
1: Now, you know I haven't had much success in, in that calling, <laughs> Having been di- divorced twice, you think that it's the right calling? Can callings be for a short time? To give um, you a, a lesson, that, or
0: um, in terms of marriage, um, because of my Catholic background, I marriage is a very demanding decision, and I would like to think that it will be permanent. In some cases, it can't. Um, Unfortunately, the marriage machine in our culture is making it more and more difficult to think in terms of a permanent relationship. One of the things sociology is showing us is that many, many, many uh, young people, by young, I'm starting with 40 and down, don't even know what the word permanent means because we have become a throwaway society. You, You can no longer have your toaster fixed. If it's if it is not working, you just simply throw it out. And so, because we've become such a disposable society, if it doesn't work, you throw it out. So, if the marriage doesn't work, you throw it out. Um, and because I have a lot of background in marriage counseling, uh, uh, let me just share two other things with you and your audience. If you are entering into a relationship that you think is going to become a marriage, but there are some red flags, do not, please, listeners, do not think that once we're married, he, she will change. He, she will not change. Don't use marriage to bring about a conversion. It just does not happen. And the second thing, reflecting on marriage, that I'll share with your listeners, I think we're getting a little bit off the subject, but in any event, if you are a couple who are living together as husband and wife and you intend to get married, it's very, very important that you remember the following sentence and memorize it. Marriage is a beginning, not a continuation. Too many couples who live together and then get married subconsciously end up still living together but not being married. And there are um, methods by which that can be changed. One of the greatest methods is to change your environment entirely. But in any event, I got off the subject as I said, um, trying to make a decision regarding marriage would require... Again, consultation with one's friends, one's families, um, uh, and for for those who have what I call a relationship with God, not just a divinity, uh, obviously prayer comes into the matter because uh, uh, God does lead us. I believe that firmly.
1: I'm, I'm writing... Frantically, all these amazing <laughs> notes from what you've been <laughs> talking about, because I'm having all these um, epiphanies, and it was what okay. You...
0: The, the regarding marriage, the two things: uh, marriage does not change anybody, yeah. and the second thing uh, for couples living together, marriage is a beginning, not a continuation.
1: And then you talked about the relationship with God, and, and in the second half of this. Um, of today's show, we're going to be talking about something else that had come up last week, where you were talking about when people say they're (laughs) spiritual, not religious. And we're going to talk about that, and it fits with where we're ending just before the news break. Okay. With this whole idea of relationship with God and bringing, you mentioned meditation earlier, when you're trying to figure out your calling... And whether it's mm-hmm. truly a calling What I'm hearing, Father Mike Is there are many callings Callings to different aspects of our lives It may not just be one calling that we tend to think of Which is how we make a difference in the world But there can be multiple callings it's-
0: Exactly. There are very fundamental callings like, again, whom whom am I going to marry? What am I going to do? What is my career? Then there are some that are not so uh, fundamental but are very important. Where are we going to live uh, for a, co- uh, a high school kid? Where am I going to go to college? And then along the line, uh, uh, my job is going to take me to another state. Do we want to move? There are constant Decisions that have to be made every single day of our lives. And
1: with that, we're going to go into the national news break. We're here with Father Michael Boccaccio, and we'll be right back with more from It's All About the Questions. Back, everyone. If you're just joining us live on iHeartRadio, I'm Laura Stewart, and we're here with my awesome guest, Father Michael Boccaccio, who was such a massive hit on the show last week that he's my first ever two week in a row repeat guest because he had so much more to share because you had so many questions that you texted and called me and emailed me about. So I had him back. Our first half of the show, we were talking about callings and how you recognize your callings. And we're also going to pick up a little bit on this other topic that you had a lot of questions about when Father Mike said he gets so irked when people say i'm spiritual not religious and father mike that really feeds with what we were talking about just before the break if you missed it and you caught us live you can catch it on podcast that should be up in a couple of days you can go to it's all about the to get the, the replay of today's show so father mike you were talking about meditation relationship with god marriage i love this one comment that um Marriage is beginning, not a continuation. I thought that was so, so beautiful and relevant to so much going on. How does somebody have a relationship with God? I mean, last week you mentioned that you couldn't stand it. You get so irked when people say I'm spiritual, not religious. So what does that really mean?
0: Well, that's my question. I don't know what it I means. That's why it irks me, because it confuses me. I have no idea what it means. Um, unfortunately, my um, experiences of what I think is the mentality um, mm-hmm. boils down to I just don't want to be responsible to anyone or anything. I'm going to be my own boss. Um and when you introduced today 's program about the second, this second question, spiritual, not religious my my computer, and my brain started working and just to play with the word "spirit" for a minute, um, we can talk about the spirit of america uh, uh, there 's a sailboat called the Spirit of America. Um, sometimes when uh, there's a what we call in the Catholic Church a mass of Christian burial, and someone gives a tribute or a eulogy, they will say, and let grandma's spirit live on." Um, and the other example that came to my mind is um, the uh, indigenous people of this country whom we call Native Americans which is a term I really don't like in Canada, they are called the First Nation. And they are very much in touch with Mother Earth. So they will speak about the spirit of the eagle, for example, okay? So the word spirit can have so many dimensions to it. So what irks me is the fact that I don't know what that means, and I would like to know what it means. Unfortunately, I think it means... uh, because of the second part of the the statement i'm spiritual but not religious the but not religious means i am not accountable to a personal god i am not accountable to a community of faith i want to live my life the way i live it i don't want to be associated with anyone else talk about isolationism, when I hear I'm spiritual but not religious, that makes me reduce the statement to, I am my own God. And I just find that very difficult to swallow.
1: I would imagine. So, now let me share some stuff that people shared with me about it, because this was a very hot topic. (laughs) for a lot of a lot of people the fact that they reached out to me so much Uh, the overwhelming sort of definition that people said was organized religion turns me off i feel a deeply personal relationship with god and i don't feel that i have to do my relationship with god in a way that is in a structured religion, whether it be Judaism, Catholicism, Islamic, whatever it may be, whatever tradition they came from. They just got turned off by organized religion. They feel that they just want to talk directly to God and listen.
0: And there's no reason why a person can't do both. any organization, be it the government, be it the church, be it your, your contract with your employer, be it the, uh, well, whatever, any any organization is going to cause conflicts and difficulties for any person. So to re- restrict it just to organized religion is kind of isolates, uh, isolating religion. And besides, Laura, our country, as I mentioned last week, is becoming more and more Allow me, secular, anti-religion. So let me just go backwards, and I can speak only from a Christian perspective.
1: Although you understand a lot of other religions as well.
0: Well, I don't know. I'm familiar with them. I wouldn't say I have an understanding.
1: Okay.
0: As a Christian, and I like saying this, you cannot be your own god. Christianity is meant to be a gathering of people. For me to say I am a Christian, now, mind you, I'm not saying I believe in God, because a Buddhist believes in God. So I'm talking to those who are of a Christian background and to no one else, When I say I believe in the God who comes to me through Christ Jesus and say, therefore, I am an island, that's contrary. The main thing Jesus wants is us to be together. And in regard to organized religion, I probably have more difficulties than most of your listeners. In what way? Well, in terms of some of the things that we do or don't do, but that does not stop me from wanting to be with other people in the journey of faith. I, I want the support of knowing I am walking the path with the same questions as everyone else. I have the same struggles, the same difficulties, and I at least have someone uh, going with me. To do it on your own, first of all, is impossible having a relationship with God is possible. Being a Christian without being a part of a community is a contradiction, and I stand by that.
1: What I know of other religions, it's the same way as well. It's about a community of faith where you all lift each other, support each other, help each other understand so that you're not making decisions in an isolated silo.
0: Um, Again, I'm I'm not so familiar with that, but I respect that and accept that. But as I say what I did, that does not mean I still don't have a personal relationship with with the Lord Jesus. I would hope everyone does. Our relationship with Jesus is one-to-one, yes, but when it comes to the worship event... It is not sitting in your corner saying, "I have a relationship with God," therefore I'm just going to sit in my corner and read the Bible. That, uh, as a Christian, as okay. a Christian,
1: I, I totally get that. Now,
0: um, yeah. that's contrary.
1: That's contrary
0: to being a Christian.
1: Okay. So one of the questions that people brought up was they had some very bad experiences in their religious relationships. There were a number of people that um, were of the Catholic faith and they were told that they couldn't receive communion because of divorce or some other things that had happened in their life that they had married somebody that was not Christian. some people said from from the, Judea, Judea, um, the Jewish faith that they wanted to marry somebody, but that person wasn't of the Jewish faith, so they were, I only use the Catholic word because I'm Catholic, excommunicated pretty much from their own faith because they married somebody outside the faith. So they've had these bad experiences, which turned them off to religious community, but it didn't turn them off from their spiritual relationship with God. So what would you say to those people who want a relationship in terms well, of a community but were turned away?
0: Well, again, I will speak only on behalf of the Christian situation. The Jewish example you gave uh, would be something that would have to be dealt probably with an Orthodox sect or... Uh, right, but it could uh, be
1: also a Catholic marrying a non-Catholic.
0: Right. Okay, and first of all, the first thing I would say is, what uh, pretending it was you, uh, you're speaking on behalf of some of those people, the first thing I would say is, let me hear what you just said again, and let me explain why what you were told is not true. So, for example, a person who is divorced can, is in full communion with the church. A person who is divorced is in full communion with the church. So, to the person who heard from a leader of the church, be it a priest, a nun, or a teacher, whatever, I apologize for them giving you false information uh, in terms of a Catholic marrying a non-Catholic. Well, then you can't be beca- you can't receive communion. That's also not true. So, unfortunately. Unfortunately, there have been misinterpretations of the law of the Church. And again, it's not just the Catholic Church that misinterprets law or misrepresents it. We run across it in our own civil society. So the first thing I would say is let's get to the truth of what it is you're dealing with. And if you were given false information, listeners, if you were given false information, please accept my apology on the part of those with whom I share leadership in the church.
1: And we're going to continue this conversation in one moment because this is an important conversation. We'll be right back with more from Father Michael Boccaccio. Father Mike, let's pick up where we were just before the, the break. You were apologizing for people that might have gotten incorrect information, but I want to take it a little further, because how do you know if you're not getting accurate information about your religion, about your faith?
0: But simply by asking around. So uh, if if father somewhere says to you, uh, you're divorced, you can't receive communion, and you take that as uh, the, the gospel word, don't investigate it. Uh, get in touch with friends who uh, uh, know priests, or call up another priest, or go to, uh, Google what is the church law on divorced people receiving communion. Uh, investigate it. Now, the other thing I want to say is, um, for the, I apologize for the hurts any one of your listeners and you have, re, have received on the part of the leadership of the Church. The other thing to remember is, we are human beings. I make mistakes. I have offended people. I can tell you that for sure. No,
1: you and never...
0: Oh, stop it! Oh no! Oh, I have, I have, and I've apologized to them when I was able to, in the sense that they were still around. But the other thing is, get over it. Don't let don't let the fact that Father Huzi Huzi or whoever uh, uh, hurt you twenty years ago offend. I mean, affect your worshiping habits today. Now, I'll tell you something else, which is rather controversial and uh, I dare say may get me in trouble, but sometimes some people in the Catholic Church use that experience as a way to justify my being divorced from organized religion. They use it to justify my not going to church. Eighteen years ago, Father Huzi hurt me by saying this to me, so I'm not going to go to the church anymore. And that justifies my not participating in the life of the community. So it's the community who suffers, not the priest. Because I am saying to the community, I don't want to be a part of you. The community that comes together in worship is a witness to one another, as I said before, of the fact that we journey together. We all have our hurts, we all have our questions, etc. So when I justify my saying to that community, I've had it with you because you're organized. I am going to stick to myself and my own sense of religion. What I'm saying to the community is, I don't want to belong to you, which is unfortunate. And again, anti-Christian. Christ wants us to be together. In addition to our personal experiences, Christ wants us to be together.
1: What's interesting about that, what you just said to me, is that... From the first part of our conversation about callings to this part of the conversation, what comes up is we use often shut ourselves off from our spiritual side, our our connection to God's side and community side, and that shuts us off from hearing our callings.
0: Well, yes, because that, that leads to what I said earlier in the program, isolationism. Right. Um, I'm going to do this all myself, especially if I'm spiritual, not religious, which means I'm my own God, mm-hmm. and I call the shots. That, that's very unfortunate. The old expression, excuse the language, man, man is not an island, nor is a woman an island. Um, we belong to each other. We are in this world to help one another, to laugh with one another, to pray with one another, to cry. Um, and And by that, I don't simply mean going to a bar and having a drink or going to a dance and dance or go to a movie. I mean that we are actually consciously, psychologically, spiritually, and yes, I mean that from a religion point of view. We are holding each other up And going forward.
1: For the longest time, I would just go into empty churches and pray. And then I went to a a Bible-based Christian church, which is where I, I reconnected on another level with Jesus and with God. And now, since my mom's passing, I've been going back to the Catholic Church. And I didn't realize how much I missed it.
0: There is nothing wrong, by the way, by what is called private devotion. I think it's wonderful for someone to go into their place of worship and and do private prayer. By that I mean reflecting, meditating, being alone with God. That's very, very important. We need to be alone with ourselves very often, too. So doing that is wonderful, but what I'm saying is, and I'm speaking only to those who are a part of a Christian tradition to make that my relationship to God alone uh, would make Jesus feel very sad. Why don't you want to be with your other brothers and sisters?
1: Mm. That's, That's so beautiful. Now, Father Mike, we're, about two and a half minutes before the end of the show. Okay. And I'm, I'm certain that there are people out there that may have other questions or need some guidance on some next steps. So how can they, would it be okay if they reached out to you? And if so, how can they?
0: Of course. Uh, the best way would be by email. Um, let me spell that for you. F. Frank R. Ralph. My last name, B as in bless. O C C A C C I O at D I O B P T dot org. Let me do the whole thing again. F R B O C C A C C I O at D I O B P T dot org. Let me share a funny with you.
1: Okay, you have a minute forty two.
0: It's going to take less than that. Uh, I moved recently, and I called up some of my credit cards, and I was, they wanted to know my new email address, and I said, uh, F like Frank, R like Ralph Boccaccio. And they said, well, isn't your name Michael? I said, yes. Then they said, why did you say it was Frank? <laughs> and, <laughs> I love you,
1: Father Mike. <laughs>
0: and the other thing is, when I spell my name, I usually say, "B" as in bless, and someone who knew I was a priest said, well, that's an occupational hazard, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, no, it's not a hazard, it's a blessing.
1: <laughs> well, I know that originally you never thought that you were going to become a Catholic priest You wanted Mm -hmm. to be a clinical psychologist. And all I can tell you is that you have been not only a blessing to me in all the years I've known you, but a blessing to so many others, and, and you've changed lives for the better. So I'm so glad you listened to your calling and stepped in.
0: And I want you to know that it's reciprocal. The lives of the many people who have been in my history have helped me grow and mature and learn more about who I am, what God wants of me, and have just provided great joys and blessings to me. So it's a mutual admiration.
1: Well, thank you again for being here on the show.
0: You're more than welcome. And I may have to
1: have you back again based on response. (laughs) So everybody remember the right questions can truly change your life. So what are you asking today? Hug someone you love.
0: been listening to It's All About the Questions, starring Laura Stewart. Connect with Laura at itsallaboutthequestions.com and download a free workbook that will help you ask better questions starting today.